in your Bibles tonight. One thing that you could add to your prayer request uh, list is the choir. They are already working on the Christmas cantata. Um, wow. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it ought to be that close, but it will be here before we know it, and they're working on it, and the actors are beginning to to work on their parts, and so uh, it's a good time to remind ourselves to be praying that the Lord will bring all of that together, the music and the words that are spoken to uh, present the gospel uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the choir has a tremendous ministry here, and we appreciate them greatly. And we're planning on December 17th. December the 17th. Okay. <laughs> That's a little over two months from now, and it will be here the day after tomorrow. So be praying. John chapter 8 and verse 31 then said, Jesus, to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, these are such important words. Um, and we pray that tonight you would show them, show us something of them, their importance, their application, and our need for us to consider them in this day of deception in which we live. We do pray for the peace of Jerusalem tonight. We pray for your people. And we thank you that they are there and they are not going anywhere. And we pray that you would continue to protect them and help them and help us to understand as we look on the scene there the message that your coming is very near. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It may not seem like it, but we're continuing our study of Galatians 5 and verse 1 here in John chapter 8 through the words of the Lord Jesus in verses 31 and 32. Because there is a, a definite connection between Gen uh, Galatians 5, 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The implication of those words is that if we do not stand fast, if we do not stand firm, if we are not steadfast and unmovable in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, then we will be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus says here. If you continue in my word, and his word is what we are to stand fast in. His word, the truth, the word living, the Lord Jesus Christ. His word written is what has made us free. And if we do not stand fast in that, if we do not continue in it, 
We will be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We will not be free. And so these verses are connected. Last week we talked about how this nation has not stood fast, how this nation has not continued in the Word of God, the King James Bible, and the fault for that. And it's very sad to say, but the fault for that largely lies at the feet of those who name the name of Christ. We looked at an example of this, an example of the deception of our day last week. We talked about an article that Brother Jed sent me by David Cloud from May of this year. It's entitled, Transitioning Churches Away from the King James Bible. That title is almost unbelievable when you read it. It comes from a podcast interview with Brian Sams at the Church Advance YouTube channel. Mr. Sams is the pastor of River City Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. According to the article, he came to that church in 2016 and He has, since that time, transitioned it from a conservative fundamental church to a contemporary evangelical church, according to Mr. Sam's own testimony. After he took the pastorate, he came to the conviction that modern versions, such as the New King James Version, the New American Standard Version, the English Standard Version, are to be preferred above the King James Bible. He subsequently transitioned his church to the modern versions. And the most troubling thing about the article is that David Cloud points out that now Pastor Sams is teaching other pastors in other churches, to make the same transition that he made. I want to mention some things tonight from this article that is based on this podcast because I believe this is the most important issue that faces every Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church in this country. And it goes back to the first words that were spoken on earth by the serpent. Words that were intended to cast doubt and cause confusion. The very doubt and confusion that we see in this hour. And you remember his first words. Yea, hath God said. And the manifestation of the serpent's question is all of these modern versions of the Bible. And they are doing today what the serpent did in the garden. They're causing doubt and confusion and deception among the people of God. And the result is that the church of Jesus Christ is not continuing in his word. The King James Bible. And so they're not proclaiming the truth. And we are becoming entangled again 
with the yoke of bondage. We're losing our freedom. That's why we're talking about these things tonight. They're critical to our understanding. Because if we're going to continue in his word, then we have to be clear in our minds and resolved in our thinking that we indeed have the word of God. And we do. Pastor Sam says in his interview that there were two reasons that he transitioned his church away from the King James Bible. First, he became spiritually convinced about the version issue. Now, he did not elaborate on that point, or if he did, um, it's not in the article. There's a hint in something that he says a little later that might bear on this statement that he makes here. The second reason he did talk about in more detail, and that is he did it for his children. He transitioned his church away from the King James Bible for his children. He talked about his son who was attending, uh, who was reading uh, for a homework assignment the account of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17 from the King James Bible. And he said pretty much every other word he would have to tell him how to pronounce it or what every other word meant. We talked about that statement last week. And we noted that in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we named them, there are 21 words in that chapter that might give a child a little problem. 21 words out of a chapter with nearly 1,700 words. That's only a little over 1%. That's a far cry from every other word, which would be half of them or 50%. Pastor Sams was using this technique of exaggeration to make the old argument that the King James Bible is hard to understand. But that's a myth of the devil. And it's a myth that disappears in the face of the facts. The fact is that the average readability level for the King James Bible, for the whole King James Bible, is fifth grade, sixth month. And in connection with this, we talked about the list that is put out by the Trinitarian Bible Society of London. A list of 618 unfamiliar words in the King James Bible. And to put that in perspective, that is 618 unfamiliar words, not wrong words. They're unfamiliar words. We need to get familiar with them. That's why we have a strong concordance. That's why we have a dictionary. That is called education, which we don't really do a lot of anymore. We do here at Calvary Christian School. But that's 618 unfamiliar words out of 791,328 words in the King James Bible. That is 
And so 99.92% of the words in the King James Bible are familiar. David Cloud points out, and, and I found this very interesting. I'd never seen this statistic before. The King James Bible has a small vocabulary of only 6,000 words. To, to put that in, in, a, in context, Shakespeare, who is greatly adored and uh, read, kids read it, high school kids, he used a vocabulary of roughly 21,000 words. And, and another thing that David Cloud points out, the King James Bible is composed of simple words. Listen to this. An average of 1.31 syllables and four letters per word. That's simplicity, isn't it? And so this argument that the King James Bible is hard to understand is a straw man. It's an argument that has been constructed to distort the truth in order to promote these other Bible versions. Pastor Sams recommends several Bibles to his congregation. And I assume that he in his conferences, recommends these same Bibles to the pastors that attend. He recommends the New American Standard, the New King James Version, the English Standard Version, and the Christian Standard Bible. And he gives a reason here that we want to delve into just a little bit. He says the reason is that he likes these versions and recommends them is that these are modern translations that are formal in equivalence. Now, we want to stop right there for just a minute. In Bible translation, if you read books about Bible translation, you'll, you'll find that the authors like Dr. D.A. Waite, and, and I recommend his book to you, um, Defending the King James Bible. Um, I'm sure you can get it at the Christian bookstore. Uh, but it's an excellent, excellent reference book. But he, he, he talks about, and others talk about, verbal equivalence, formal equivalence, verbal and formal equivalence in translation puts the emphasis where God puts it, on every word of God. Now, in contrast to verbal equivalence and formal equivalence, we have dynamic equivalence. And the word dynamic suggests the meaning of that. Dynamic means changing. It carries the idea of something moving. Dynamic equivalence is the very opposite of verbal and formal equivalence. The emphasis is not on every word. I guess the best way to define dynamic equivalence is that it is a paraphrase. There are words added, there are words taken away, there are words changed in the Word of God. Dr. D.A. Waite makes the point 
that the author of dynamic equivalence is the serpent. His dynamic equivalent translation of Genesis 2 verses 16 and 17 where God said to the man, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The serpent's dynamic equivalent translation of God's word in Genesis 3.1 was, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. This is dynamic equivalence. Words left out. Words changed. And it led, if you think about it, to Eve's dynamic equivalent translation of the Word of God. Dynamic equivalence is not what we find taught here in the Word of God. What we find here is an emphasis over and over and over again on every word of God. Verbal equivalents, formal equivalents. Look back, if you will, at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. We want to just look at a few verses tonight that illustrate this. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Look at verse 2. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you. Neither shall ye diminish all from it. Those words teach two things simultaneously. They teach the importance of every word of God. In other words, they teach verbal equivalence, formal equivalence. The word which I command you, God's emphasis is on every word. But at the same time, these words define what dynamic equivalence is. Dynamic equivalence is adding to or diminishing from the Word of God as He gives it. And God specifically says here, do not do that. Do not do that. He's teaching the importance of every Word of God. And he condemns dynamic equivalents. And verbal and formal equivalents. Every word of God is critical because the rest of verse 2 says, well, let's just read again. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. You cannot keep the commandments of God if you do not have each and every word of God. You can't do it. It's an impossibility. 
Look over a page at Deuteronomy chapter 5. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses recites to the people the the giving of the Ten Commandments. And and they're listed here. Verse 7, verse 8, 11, 12, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. And then notice what he says when he gets through talking about that. Notice what he says in verse 22. These words, these words, there's the emphasis of God on the words, his words, verbal equivalents. These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness with a great voice. And he added, no more, no more. And he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. Now look over at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's interesting that all of these verses, or or, a number of them, are in the book of Deuteronomy. I always learn something. When, when, when all of these men preach, I, I always learn something when Brother Jed and Brother Jim and Brother Dwight preach. And I learned something Wednesday night in Brother Dwight's message. And that is that the word Deuteronomy means second law. Uh, and and it's, it's interesting how many times we're gonna re- we read about the Word of God here um, in the book of Deuteronomy. But look at verse 3. And he humbled thee and and suffered thee to hunger. Moses is talking about um, the, the Lord humbled the people of Israel. He suffered them to hunger. And fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know. That he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Here it is again. God's emphasis on every word. Here's this verbal, formal equivalence and the absolute necessity of it. Because again, you cannot live by every word of God if you do not have every word of God. Now turn over to Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5. Every word of God. There it is again. There's the emphasis of God on every word. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Now look at verse 6. Add thou not unto his words. 
Again, here's God's specific command against dynamic equivalence, against adding to his word or changing his word or taking away from his word. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Notice those last words. Because they tie dynamic equivalence, adding to or taking away or changing the word of God back to the first one who used it, the devil. Who the Lord said in John chapter 8 is a liar and the father of it. And so if you add unto the words of God, you're going to be found a liar. Just exactly the way that the devil is found a liar. Now, turn back, if you will, to Psalm 12. Psalm 12. And look at verse 6. The words of the Lord... The words of the Lord. Here it is again. God's emphasis on his words. Every single one of them. Verbal equivalents. Formal equivalents. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth. Purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, it's very obvious when you read Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, that these verses have to do with the words of the Lord. But according to what Pastor Sam says, we are wrong about that. I want to read you what he said on this podcast. He's talking about how he transitioned his church away from the King James Bible. And he says this. Let me make this kind of sub-statement here. The consciences of your people in a King James-only church have been mistakenly yet passionately tethered to this position. Here's the problem. Some people have been forcefully, dynamically told that Psalm 12, 6, and 7 is a promise about the King James Bible. I know it's not. You know it's not. Anybody that is a fairly cognitive reader of the Bible, a student of grammar, a student of context, is going to say that is talking about the people being preserved, not the words. I've heard people try to twist that one out and explain it away. Let's just be honest here. Psalm 12, 6, and 7 has nothing to do with the Bible. Folks, 
It has everything to do with the Bible. The subject of these two verses is the words of the Lord that are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. That is inspiration. That is inspiration. And then verse 7 says, Thou shalt keep them. Thou shalt keep them. Now, according to the rules of grammar, and I will have to tell you that I learned the rules of grammar in public school. So I'll admit that deficiency up front. The word thou in verse 7 is singular. And it refers to the last person mentioned. And the last person mentioned in verse 6 is the Lord. Thou, thou is a reference to the Lord. The word them is plural and refers back to the last plural thing that we find mentioned. And the last plural thing that we find mentioned are the words of the Lord. And so what verse 7 is telling us is that God himself is going to keep his words. God himself is going to preserve his words. These verses are are about the word of God and they teach us two critical doctrines. The doctrine of inspiration and the doctrine of preservation. It's Pastor Sam's who is trying to twist that one out and explain it away. And I, I, I was thinking about that. I believe it is the doctrine of preservation that bothers liberals like this man. To me, the word preservation implies a singular source when we're talking about it in relation to the Word of God. It implies a singular source where the Word of God has been preserved and where we can easily find it and identify it. That is part of the simplicity that is in Christ. God is not trying to hide His Word. He's not trying to confuse us about His Word. But but this, this simplicity, the liberals don't like that. They do not want a single place of preservation. They want multiple places of preservation. So they can promote the New American Standard and the New King James and the New English Version and the Christian Standard Bible. Tell their people in their churches as they're transitioning them, listen, it doesn't matter what you heard from some fanatical preacher somewhere. Psalm 12 verses 6 and 7 are talking about the people. That's who's going to be preserved. And if you got any other idea about it, you need to change it. And they do that so that they can then promote the New American Standard and the New King James and the English Standard Version Bible and tell people that these 
are modern translations that are formal in equivalence. So they don't have to be afraid. They don't have to be afraid. Individual church members don't have to be afraid to to, uh, convert away from the King James Bible. Churches, you don't have to worry. Uh, We believe in formal equivalence, and these Bible versions believe in formal equivalence. Dr. Waite, in his book, Defending the King James Bible, says this. Now, the problem with all these other versions, including the New International Version, the New American Standard Version, the New King James Version, and the rest, and I would just add to his list the English Standard Version that that Pastor Sam's seems to promote because according to his own words there's very little difference between the English Standard Version and the New King James but the problem with all these other versions is that they have purposely selected a non-verbal equivalence type of translation a non-formal equivalence type of translation Dr. Waite says, instead, to a greater or lesser extent, they have adopted a dynamic equivalence type of translation. We know that to be true. We we mentioned last week that in in his book, he talks about how there's almost 10,000 Greek words that uh, have been changed or they've been removed. There's that many words difference between Westcott and Hort and the Textus Receptus from which the King James Bible comes. Westcott and Hort from which these modern Bible versions come. 10,000 Greek words. Folks, that is dynamic equivalence if there ever was. In other words, these new versions of the Bible have ignored the command of God. And they've added to or they've taken away or they've changed the Word of God. And churches are being changed. They're being transitioned away from the King James Bible to these other versions of the Bible. And they're being converted from conservative fundamental churches to modern liberal evangelical churches. And that is just, that's astounding to me. We're not talking about the mainline denominations. We're talking about, to a great extent, as David Cloud mentions in his article, independent Baptist churches. This is the the deception of our day. And this man, this man, what a deceptive ministry he has. How deceived he is in his thinking. And the result of all this is a nation not continuing in the word of God. A nation that's returning to the yoke of bondage. A nation that is losing our freedom. And I know that we talk about these things. We, we don't talk about them every service, but we talk about them. 
on, on some regular basis. And the reason we do is because it can happen in this church. It can happen here if we aren't diligent. If we don't cling to the simplicity that's in Christ. If we don't try the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Just because a man comes in here with a big pepsinant smile and a, a, a great personality and he's friendly and he shakes hands and he hugs people, it doesn't mean that he, he, he's straight down the line on the Word of God. You better be careful. You better be careful. Some of the, us old people are going to be gone one day. Try the spirits. We need to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We need to continue in his word, lest we find ourselves back again in the yoke of bondage. It's a criti- it is the critical issue, I believe, of our day. And we must stand. We must stand in this evil day. And having done all to stand. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for another opportunity tonight to think about these things. Think about your word. What a wonderful thing that is. And to be reminded again where your emphasis is on every word of God. And we thank you that we have every word of God. That we don't have to be adrift, that we don't have to be looking or waiting for the next version of the Bible to come out. We thank you that we have your word. And we pray that we'd stand on it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.